Welcome everyone to our first episode of podcast series called IRDC on Air. I'm Osman Berke and this is Umut. Um, we have wrote a blog and today we will uh, talk about it. I will highly encourage you to read it because we have uh, spent so much effort on it. I think we have done a good work. Now we will, uh, today we're going to talk about it. So Umut. First of all, what do you want to talk about? Well, I do want to talk about our recent history with our Greek brothers, like as I think of them, we are brothers because we spend so much time in the same region with them. Like we share a similar culture, let's say, mm -hmm. but uh, there were many pain, like many destructive events happened recent years. So it's an important subject, like it needs some attention because like today in Turkey, it's not getting the attention it needs to get. Like, that's why I don't want to talk about it. All right. So the title is Once We Were Brothers. And the first thing I think we are going to talk about the definition of room and where it derives from. The first usage of the word, I can't remember, but in the Arabic uh, manuscripts, I guess, uh, in the medieval era, called for the Byzantine people. It comes from Rome, like the city of Rome. Rome. Yeah, yeah, the Roman Empire, since it yeah. is uh, expanded to the three continents, the Asia, Europe and Africa. There's a shift when the West Roman Empire has collapsed. So the Eastern one, later called the Byzantine, they see themselves as Roman. So their land, also called the Roman lands. So the Roman name become a usual name and another identity for the Greek people because the Latin word becomes the other identity for the Frank, the European people. And there's a little distinction about the Anatolian empires. They all see themselves as a superior power in the Mediterranean and call themselves as Rooms. Well, they're trying to embrace a culture, like the culture of Roman Empire, because it mm -hmm. has been seen like a huge heritage and also a symbol of power. You know, everyone wants to be the successor of the Roman Empire. It's not only the Ottomans, it's also Russia later on. Mm -hmm. Everyone, like the Byzantine Empire also. So the name Rome, it's, it's strong, you know, everyone wants to claim it. Yes. But as we know, Rome, it's used for the like Eastern Roman Empire territories. The term Rum is just a different type of Rom as in Turkish. We don't use O letter in the first part of the word. We don't use O after the first letter. That's why it became mm -hmm. Rum. That's right. And mm -hmm. that's how the word Rum became a thing, actually. But later on, we started to use it to the Greek students in the region, but actually it was used for everyone who lived in Balkans and the Asia Minor, you know, the Anatolia mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the time. But right. later on, we started to use it for the Greeks and it became a word that we use it to differentiate people, you know, like the Turkish and the Rooms. Yes, yes. I mean, you are talking about, I guess, the upper identity of being a Roman in those lands. Uh, it was like first derived uh, as the Roman citizens, which all lived in the same region. But then it become a, how can I say, a more religious identity 
that is uh, overlapped with the Orthodox yeah. citizens. And it caused, as you say, a categorization between the citizens. You're right. A lot of people in the region call themselves as Rums. Let's uh, point out that. I think it's important. For example, uh, according to my research, uh, in the Battle of Ankara, I guess, about the Ottoman Empire and Timur, the Bayezid and Timur, when Timur won the war, called it, it we have beaten the Rumians. Like Eastern empires see the Ottoman Empire, since they are settled on the Byzantine Empire lands, I mean the Roman lands, they call them as a Roman Empire, actually, a kind of a Roman Empire, a successor, they see. Well, also, it is known that uh, Mehmet the Conqueror also embraced the name of Kaiseri Rum, like the meaning, the Caesar of Roman, actually, the direct translation. The Ottomans embraced it after they took over Constantinople. Definitely. Um, all right, then, the next topic we will be going to point out, maybe we should talk about the history, like we have pointed yeah, out. Yeah, that like 14, we should 15. point out that Nearly 600 years of Ottoman rule or Greek territories, like mm -hmm. the mix of the culture, like it is inevitable that you know the Turkish people, like the Muslim people from Anatolia or even you know Central Asia, came like migrated to the Balkans and mixed up with Orthodox people, like the Slavs, like the mm -hmm. Bulgarian, mm -hmm. the Greeks, especially. And there is a mixture, you know, like the mixture of a like, culture. And, you know, today we share many common things, the Greeks, like actually we can't share it, like food or the origins of many things. Yes, yes, definitely. Um... That's the reason. Well, also it is important to mention that the governors, like even viziers came from Greek origin in Ottoman time, like also, many historians said that Ottoman Empire was a Greco-Turkish empire, like the Greek effect on the empire was so big and so mm -hmm. important. Actually, many historians claim that that's also important. Yeah, I also saw in some academic texts, they call the Ottomans as a Roman Empire, actually. That's a pretty common thing in the uh, historic scholars. Um, I was about to say that uh, before you talk about the um, embracing the Greek culture, you said that 600 years, for 600 years, these people have lived together. But actually, it also drives like a thousand years because uh, it all started at the Battle of Manzikert in, uh, in a 1071, I guess. The old nomadic tribes raids, they started to collapse with the Byzantine Empire. So actually, we're talking about the a huge history that is mixed with all of cultural influence, the warfares, the pain, or the happiness. The board has lived and created a, how can I say, a hybrid culture that all people now embraces. But uh, the nationalism, the enlightenment, later we will point out, has a distinction between those two nations, which cause the most of the pain, in the 19th and the 20th century. Yeah, of course, until the nationalism came in, it was mostly the Orthodox and the Muslims. Like, mm -hmm. there were no such dis distinctions as like Greeks or Turkish. Also, as we say 600 years, of course, we are talking about just the Greece as we know today. Of yeah. course, there were people living in Anatolia, like from Greek Orthodox origin, 
like many people, you know, later millions of people migrated to Greece later on. We know it. Like there is mm. a strong Greek population in Anatolia. So it can easily be said 1000 years. Yeah, definitely. And like um, the policies of the empires that they applied was uh, also accelerating that kind of mixture. For example, we know that uh, in the Ottoman rule, uh, they have some ISKCON policies in Turkish. Like they settled those nomadic tribes to the uh, trash regions of the Greece. And they also have, I think this is important, uh, the millet system. They identify the um, people by the religions. I think uh, one of the most, how can I say, crucial things about the, the distinction between those two nations, which caused all the troubles, is actually laid on this millet system, which is crucial, I guess. Yeah, of course, I also think so. And also, when we talk about systems like there is Devshirme system, like mm -hmm. the conversion of Orthodox Greeks and many other minorities in the empire to Muslims to work for the state, also a kind of an assimilation, but not that much, because we also know that like Ottomans embraced a system that is not assimilating the minorities, as we know today. Mm -hmm. These are the important points we need to talk about in the Ottoman rule. But as we said, when nationalism came in, things yes. changed. Let's uh, talk about the 1821 Greek rebellion then, how the old uh, nationalism movement has started. What yeah. do you want to talk about this uh, political event? Mood? Well, before 1821, yeah, we should point out that the rebellions already begun, like before mm -hmm. 1821, like massacres, like mass, mass killings, like robbery or rapes between the two different nationalities, like not nationalities, but Muslims and Greeks, let's say, because at mm -hmm. that time there was no such a thing yes, as no. Turks, not yet. That, that's right. Mm -hmm. Now, Turkish nationalism is a uh, late concept than the Greek nationalism. Yeah. That's for sure. That's another subject. Mm -hmm. Other than that, then came the war like between Greece and the Ottoman Empire. Like Also, there is important to mention that Ottoman Empire has weakened. That's right. A low centralized empire, we can say. And also there is the support of the Russians coming from north, like to Orthodox cultures in Ottoman Balkans. Mm -hmm. in so it was inevitable, let's say, because everyone took nationalism. How can I say that? Like nationalism was so important to people. Like it gave them a character, you know, like they became Greeks, like they became one, you know, it created nations. Actually, it was a thought process, but it was much more bigger than that. That's right. It's a, a whole big, huge philosophical question that gathers around the people, as you say, united them. Besides nationalism, I think we should also talk about the Enlightenment effect, because the Enlightenment philosophers also point out that uh, even though there is no historical background of it, the ancient Greece, the old philosophers and all the uh, civilization background was in a continuity between Byzantine Empire and today's Greeks. So this uh, created a concept called megaloidea in the Greek people, which also uh, the most important imperial ambition, we can say. Um, they fought so hard to achieve it, which will cause some wars and troubles in the following years. Of course, every nation has like one theory of their history. Like later on, 
the Turkish mm. claimed Misaka Mili, you know, about mm. the, that Turkish people claim as their own land, like their homeland. Megali idea is the Greek version of it, let's say. Yes, that's right. Very similar to the other uh, historical, uh, how can I say, imperial ambitions, we can say. Yeah, yeah. And when you claim land, you know, when you impose this ambition to your nation, well, it becomes an ambition, like people wants it, you know, and then came war. Because when people start to want it, the government can wage war on it. Like it became a cause, you know, and everyone follows it. And right. it caused many problems between Turkish and the Greek people later on, like the war of independence after world war one mm. and then mm. cyprus and it's actually still going on like with the islands in again region yeah. the tension is still high still yeah. high after 200 years um yeah that's right um 1910s the balkan wars i think that's a milestone and also it is happened four years after the cup power in the Ottoman Empire, the Committee of Union and Progress, it does with Turkey in Turkish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It also has a Turkification program, which is important to mention about. Well, Balkans War is a big humiliation for Ottoman Empire as a result, but it, it actually led to many important things for the empire, like not the empire, but the Turkish people. That's right. So after that war, like Turkish people thought they lost the land, like their homeland, the um, West Trace, actually. Selanik and many other places to the border we know as the Turkish border today. And it ignited the nationalist Turkish side, like it started something and ended up as the independence war later on. Like Mustafa Kemal came from this idea. That's right. The, the members of the Committee of Union and Progress first, when they uh, had the revolution in 1908, they have embraced the Ottoman upper identity. They started to like... How can I say? Unite all the empire citizens together, but as a result of the Balkan Wars, they see that they can't do that. Then they turn their faces to the Turkification. But there is some very, very important points I would like to mention about. But Umut, do you want to add something? No, no, go on. Um, the after the Young Turks Revolution, even the Greeks first supported the Orthodox community of the empire supported that revolution because they were talking also Turkish. They don't actually talk fluent Greek. They see themselves as an part of the empire because they were the most, how can I say, professional and intellectual community in the empire. We should also say that the minorities in the empire had a huge economical impact, like rooms, as we say them today. Mm-hmm. They were holding the most important economical... Capital, industrial capital. capital. Yeah. Let's say capital, like they were holding the most capital, you know, they were on the top of the important subjects. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like uh, I am now holding the 1914 data of the empire about the Greek community. Uh, mostly they were the mercantile middle bourgeoisie of the empire, like the uh, dynamo of the economy. Like they hold the 50% of the industrial capital. Yes. And there are some like uh, rates here. I see like 49% of the factories, the craft companies, all belongs to the rooms. There are like professions right here stated, nearly 50% of the bankers, doctors, and engineers were ruled in the empire. 
And the interesting fact that they don't state themselves, they don't identify themselves as Rums or Greeks or Orthodox. They call themselves as Ottoman and they speak it's, Turkish. It's the case later on also, like when the Turkish Republic was founded, it goes on like they were thinking that they were citizens of that country, like Turkey, but later on government saw them as enemies and casted them out. We will mention it later, but that's the case generally. That's right. Especially after the World War One, like when really everything is. ended, like after the independence war, there were the ones who left the country after the Greek mm-hmm. invasion. They choose to be Greeks, but the ones who continue to live in Turkey, they claim that they were Turkish citizens. That's right. How the happy is the one who says I'm Turkish? Yes. That's that's the, exactly. that's the motto of the Republic, right? So to summarize the points about the Balkan Wars and the uh, Committee of Union and Progress, so there is a Turkification program which led to the uh, some of the ethnic cleansing of the uh, Greek populations in Aegean Islands and uh, in some of the western parts of the Anatolia. The Balkan Wars accelerated it, and its effects has all seen still today. It's another uh, nationalism movement after the Greek rebellion. After that, I think we should talk about the independence war more deeply, how the things turned out after the World War I. Well, Greeks stepped up for the Megala idea ambition. That's right. Invaded, invaded Turkey when they saw the opportunity. Mm-hmm. They were claiming the Aegean region, like they took support from British and then invaded the Turkish regions like Izmir, Aydın, like most of the Aegean region, yeah. And then, as we know, Turkish resisted and then cast them out of the country. And then many Greek people who lived in the Turkish region, like in Turkey, mm-hmm. left as most of them, like not say most of them, some of them have done terrible things to the region, to the people of the region, when the Greeks came, to the Turkish people who lived in Izmir or in the village near that, we know today. They've done terrible harm, like, to the region also. They burned villages, they burned fields. That's also important to mention. And they left. They left. They left their home, and that's, the, I think, the most emotional point of the yeah. whole topic. Um, they be Greeks, but later on, when the Turkish Republic founded, then the people were living in Turkey should be described as Turks. Like yeah, even that, after the exchange of the population. Yeah, also talking about the population exchange, we should talk about it more. Many more people from Greek origin were forced to go to the Greece, like not the ones like the left after the war with the Greeks. These mm. people were forced to migrate, forced to leave their homelands. Um, now I found a quote from a Greek citizen, um, I think which implies the um, effects of the Young Turks, the CUP, I mean, the Committee of Union and Progress. As the Greek citizen quoted that the Turks loved us, we lived together very well. All that hatred was brought by Young Turks. So the people, public seem to don't have some problems with themselves. Their identity, their ethnic background, their religion is not a problem. But the politics, like we see in the population exchange, force people to see themselves as identified in that way. 
of course like when you're living like you're going to bazaar and buying something from a room like you don't care which like identity is coming from like which country is coming from actually his origins like you don't care he's your friend like he's your neighbor why do you care what's the mm-hmm. reason but when politics comes like the things change of course because it's about the thought process you know when you see news about the greeks in newspaper like when you hear like many lies maybe even comes to the, that point like lies about the greek people like the rooms in turkey you start to think like what if they are our enemies like you don't know then the suspicion comes that's the yeah. dangerous part i think i can quote a very good memory for this point you have presented uh, from the um, tales of my grandfather since he's uh, uh, the first um, how can i say the generation after the uh, muhajirs let's say the people who uh, come from the drama region the selanik region um, there was a uh, hoja in their village so they were like departing to uh, the train station they gathered their things around and they were about to leave the country but uh, according to the story he forgot something an animal as far as i know a pet a cat or a dog i'm not sure about that then he returns to take his dog or cat uh, and says his family and sends them to the train station to wait them there so when he uh, quickly run back to the village and take two kids a pet he will come back to the train station and they will leave the country eventually but when he get back he don't come to the train station he don't come back to the train station the family got suspicious that is the where suspicion come then they sent a runner to find out what happened and they found his body all stepped in near to the to a river and here's the uh, critical point that these people has lived in the same houses for six months this is the process of the population exchange like uh, the rooms as identified in the uh, republic of turkey the turks in the greece has identified and first the rooms in the turkey has departure to the greek the greece i mean and they have settled mm-hmm. to the turkish houses for six months and there is also another story from my grandmother that uh, their grand grand mother was living with a uh, room girl and they were like living like brothers that's the other dimension of the story so what happened then like it's just the stories you told it's just terrible you know like what could have happened between them to became this much like false what happened the only reason is just the politics you know because government sees the turks in greece and the greeks in turkey as enemies like you know they how can i say it they make them villains that's right on purpose that's right that's just horrible then then even events come to this point like people killing each other that's right and we saw we saw a lot of examples in that in the following years like in the 1955s the istanbul program like that's a whole another topic we should a little and at least briefly we should talk about and then the cyprus problem which is linked it happens I mean, like the everywhere where 
Turks and the Greeks live together. Like it's unbelievable. Why these two people cannot live together? Like what's the reason? They live together for 600 years, but not now. I mean, you're really right. But again, the Istanbul program, I mean, uh, the same, how can I say? The thing applies, I think, the same pattern we see. Again, the problem is politics. Like there was a Cyprus problem going on with the colonial regimes supporting the EOKA, the underground organization in the Cyprus to um, like gain some nationalist right, reclaiming the whole island. And there is an, how can I say, a partially nationalist party government in Turkey. To solve the problem, they want to go to a London conference for uh, to solve the problem of the Cyprus. And before going there, the Turkish government decides to uh, make a protest and support some media. Uh, they sent a false news about the um, bomb attack of the Atatürk's house in Greek, Greece. I'm sorry about that. And then eventually things got out of control. The whole public started to riot. There were shops of the rooms. They killed, they raped. And even to the some reports, little Greek boys are raped as well. That's a whole from a very tragic history between two nations. Yes, and also, you know, it is mentioned like so many places today, like the government actually sent some people from Anatolia to Istanbul just to participate in the pogrom, you know. It's just terrible, you know, because these people were living in Turkey like nearly 40 years, the Turkish Republic. They were living in Turkish Republic and they were going to the same school. They were living together. Like the most of the Beolu were consist of rooms. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then one night, like Turkish people came in, they rape, they destroy, they burn. Like, why would you do that? Like, as a citizen, there is no way things got to that point. Like, like without the, a, you know, interpretation, there is no way. Like, the main reason... There is no, is, there's no way government. to relativize it. Yes. You're right. Government, no way to rationalize it. Government saw those rooms as its enemy, like, not the citizens. I think uh, the best identification of the situation was the uh, quote of the uh, current Prime Minister of the Republic of Turkey, Celal Bayars. After all these, uh, how can I say, riot, this massacre happened, he says that I think we missed the dose. Yeah, it's just a proof, like. Yeah, that's that's definitely. <laughs> it is important to mention that, like, many rooms didn't leave the country at that day like 6-7 September they waited like they insisted to live in this country because it was their homeland you know they didn't want to leave it and they were forced like for 10 years like everyone pushed harder and harder to get them out of the country like the government and the people propaganda became stronger like it was so unbearable that like after 10 years after like Istanbul pogrom they were forced to leave like crying they were leaving then you're definitely correct the situation is traumatic and tragic 
And they said, like, we didn't want to leave, but you forced us, like, you are just kicking us out. Yes. And, Definitely. you know, there is the saying that you can only take 20 kilos of your, like, 20 kilos of luggage and leave this country at once. Then right. it came to that point, like, take it and leave in two days to Istanbul rooms, like, yeah they, they desert the people before we make the closure i would like to add a small memory from my grandfather again uh, this is his own memory uh, in the village where they live it was an old room village actually in the 1960s a, a room family came to visit and their father uh, has drunk from an old room fountain and eventually he started crying out of nowhere and then he speaks with a broken Turkish, said, Elias, how many memories do I have about this fountain? This Rumi man, according to my grandfather's statement, has adapted this land as his home, lived under the same authority, and bound by the same laws, like the Turks did, but eventually forced to leave, even though he has no complaint, even though he didn't want to do, go. Yeah, I also want to mention one thing, like, mm -hmm. I went to Gökçada two weeks before, mm -hmm. which is a place, like, until 1980s, there were no Turkish people, like, from Turk origin in living in Gökçada, mm -hmm. never, no one. And today, uh, Dereköy, the Gökçada's biggest village, which used to be the largest village in the world, like top three largest villages in the world in 50s, mm -hmm. as far as I know, as they say in Gökçada. All right. Like it's, the village is deserted, like no one lives there today. And you cannot find like any rooms in Gökçada nearly. They all left the island. I'm talking about an island which no Turk lived until 1980 and today there are no rooms it's just deserted and you can see the room villages everywhere around the island and there are no room citizens it's just terrifying girl. i don't know what to say when you see those homes like the church i don't know it's hard to believe that's right Okay, then I'm making the closure. Um, thank you for listening our podcast's first episode. I'm Osman Berke and this is Umut. Today we have talked about Once We Were Brothers blog that we wrote. I highly encourage you and recommend that you should read the uh, blog that we wrote. Thank you for listening today. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye.